Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It's a Monday morning here, and uh, we had a wonderful time at church yesterday. For for <laughs> those of you who have interest in how things work in church and how interesting it is, right when you're in the middle of something, you're really feeling is is God wanting to communicate to the body of Christ. Some weird things happen yesterday at the second service in Spanish. Our power fried at the meter. Some wires melted through and cut out three quarters of all of our electricity. Oddly enough, we still had one light still working, a couple of things still working, but all the power went off, all the sound. Of course, the internet went off, and uh, it was halfway through the message. When I was talking about the demonic uh, rise of the false prophet with the Antichrist, it was very interesting. Uh, So we're repairing. We're under repair today. The electrician's over there. Apparently, we need bigger box, and we need to change out an air conditioner, draw too much power, apparently. But it was an interesting first time uh, that I can remember ever having to uh, finish, you know, half of a, of a sermon. No power, no, no microphone or anything else. But people were very patient. We lost our air conditioning, so it got rather warm. So I didn't, uh, I didn't delay. I got, got through it so people could go home. But praise God. Uh, it, it reminds us all of how good we have it because there are many people that do not have do not have the benefits of all the comforts of electricity, and they meet every Sunday. So we're just thankful for what we do have. So let's look quickly over this day in history. And here's your first um, question of the day. We get some free bad dad jokes in these web pages. What's the difference between a butcher? and a fashion model. (laughs) One kills to dress and the other dresses to kill. (laughs) Pretty clever, I would say that, yeah. Uh, O.J. Simpson murders this day, June 12th, 1994. It was on this day that that his wife died and, um, and that he was later arrested. Okay, tear down this wall. That's a big one, June 12th. 1987, and boy, I'm getting old because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. It was the year after I got back from seeing the Russian border, but that was way up in Finland, not around Germany. But it was just a year after that. Ronald Reagan makes his famous proclamation, tear down the wall, a speech calling for the Soviet leaders to tear down the Berlin Wall. Interracial marriage legalized June 12, 1967. And that Looks like about it. Let's see. There's a bunch went on this day, but we'll just, we'll leave it at that. And we'll just go, since we we got at least one dad joke in, we'll go ahead and move into the reading today. We'll see how much ground we cover. So we're in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, and of course also John. Father, thank you for this morning and loving us when we know that we at times can be unlovable and rebellious and often distant from you but you draw us back, you invite us back into your presence, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the blessings that we have and we continue to have every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 5, my son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. 
that you may observe discretion with your lips and reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my son, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hardened goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart has spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Let them be yours alone, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind in a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Or why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. I got to stop there and just because something was just became so obvious to me reading that. There's a few things here. Obviously, number one is that right after he tells them to beware of of adulteresses and getting involved in immoral relationships, he says, God is the one who watches. God is the one who, who knows what we're doing. And that was, that's for me was a big one. It's like, you're not going to hide this from God if you go down that road. And he's given this instruction to his spiritual sons. We'll see anybody that would listen and this is assumingly the wisdom of Solomon, and it is totally true, everything he's saying is totally true, that the foreign woman, the adulteress, will ruin you, bring you down into the pits and down into Sheol. They didn't understand salvation quite, but they did understand death, that it was the underworld, Sheol, that it ends everything, essentially, of their life. Every, everything, and it was that type of shield when you're not walking with God and doing things not according to God's standards, that shield was going to be a bad place, a dark place. And so he's very focused on that and very focused on helping us son avoid immoral, ungodly relationships, and yet he had 700 wives. So he took his own advice. He didn't go to strangers, <laughs> so to speak. He married them. And it ruined him. You know, the last verse, he will die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his follies, he will go astray. Solomon went astray because of the women in his life, the end of his life. And you could argue the horses and the power and the money too, but mostly the women. That's what it says. And he married foreign women. Very interesting. Chapter 6. My son, if you become surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge to a stranger. If you've been snared with the sword of your mouth, have been caught with your words of your mouth. Do this then, my son. 
and deliver yourself. Since you have come in to the hand of your neighbor, go humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man, a worthless person. A wicked man is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, his calamity will come suddenly. Instantly he will be broken, and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates, even seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. And when you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorned? So is the one who goes in to his neighbor's wife, who whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's hungry. But when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. He must give all the substance of his house. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find and his reproach will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be satisfied, though you give him gifts. We see it shift from the adulteress that leads you down into Sheol to lethargy, and should we say maybe lying and borrowing money, poor business practices, uh, taking advantage, there's, there seems to be a connection, you know, about the sluggard. That's such a classic one. <laughs> Don't be a sluggard and just lie around and do nothing. And then ask your neighbor or someone, hey, loan me money, man, and because you don't want to work. And then you don't have any money to pay him back or you don't have any plans to pay him back. And so the encouragement is, son, don't go off immorally with women and don't be dishonest, deceitful, and lazy with people. Work to gain your own food. Be honest with people. Don't steal from people. And these are these basic proverbs of how to live about a a life again unto God. 
covered this a little bit yesterday, that being faithful to God, it all boils down to the relationship with God. The reason why one would want to be faithful and not want to commit adultery is because he wanted to be ultimately faithful to God. That's why David, when he committed sin with Bathsheba, said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And yet, wait a minute, you sinned against Bathsheba. But David knew that he broke his covenant with God. And of course, he committed adultery, what we're looking at here. And interesting that this is, you have to wonder, and we assume Solomon wrote this, wrote the 3,000 Proverbs. It doesn't say at the beginning, but he probably did, that if he had this, he is the son of an adulterous relationship. Yes, David married her, so he became his mother, but he essentially was, his mother was married to David when he was born, but you know what I get? The drift is, the kind of the concept was, it all started in adultery. So he, he was kind of connected to that. And of course, his brother died because, as, as a result of that, his unborn brother who died in childbirth. Anyway, we'll continue on. Chapter 7, The Wiles of the Harlot. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend, that they may keep you from an adulteress and the foreigner who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner. And he takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows, therefore... I've come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home, and he has gone on a long journey. And he has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly he follows her like an ox, goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way of Tushiol, descending to the chambers of death. Boy, is that strong. Of course, if she was married to a man, and he came home and found her pregnant after he'd been gone over a month, or the neighbors noticed someone visiting her, he would have the right to find and kill that young man. So it may be more literal when he says her ways will take you down to Sheol, and that it will cost you your life. There could be a physical side to this. Certainly in the spiritual realm, it will cost him because he's broken one of the commands of God, and that was serious. 
uh, obviously, uh, unto one never becoming a part of the kingdom of God prior to Christ's coming. So he's warning him about the most important things in life, to avoid the things that will cause you death physically, death spiritually, that will separate you from God. And Solomon, assuming it's Solomon, had an amazing walk with God when he first got saved. And this is so scary to me. It's so tragic that men could write things like this, him then, even people now, and later ignore their own advice and, and see themselves trapped by, essentially by their own words. I'm thinking of Ravi Zachariah. You guys know what I'm talking about. Personally, he was one of my heroes. I mean, the, the stuff he wrote, the way he spoke, was so powerful, logical, theological, and it was so clear. And he was one of those that would be like Solomon. He was like a modern Solomon to me. He spoke a lot of wisdom. And he would have been the one preaching this, stay away from the adulterer, stay away from the woman that will bring you down. And yet, he did not heed his own advice. He walked by and looked in and saw the women there. And what was this woman essentially doing? She was worshiping false gods. She was using the relationship, sexual relationship, as a form of worship to their gods because with the Baals, and there were several, they were to act out the creation story essentially, of their gods and how they created humanity and and the world by the sex act. It was a celebration of that. It was considered something sacred. So they justified it. It wasn't thought to them to be immoral. No, it was kind of your, your duty, your responsibility, and the women would go into the square and look for men to do this. Now, how this worked with this woman, because she wasn't a temple prostitute, it would seem she was married to a man. She was kind of doing, following after that whole thing. And so if there's ever been anything that we can, I mean, gather around is this idea of adultery is bad. This idea of immorality, sexual, without being married to a person is wrong and will cost you dearly. And yet we see over and over and over in the church today, people are going, What? We live in a liberated society. I live with my girlfriend. So what? I still go to church. What's the big deal? Or so what? I had a little little affair. It wasn't a big deal. Too many pastors get destroyed by this. Too many people because of the seduction and the enemy is using it. We have to be, this is something we cannot waver on. We cannot try and repurpose the church to say that sin is agreeable and everything's fine as long as you are sincere. I could go on and on about that because the number one thing that many pastors are dealing with today is people living in open relationships trying to justify it and saying it's the, the, the Bible should accept it. shouldn't be anything wrong with it. We love each other. We have kids together. Why should we have to get married? Point them to the word. That's all you can do and warn them. This is what Proverbs is all about. John 20 now, the empty tune. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. 
So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrapping lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then also entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, we have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. 19. So when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to, to him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here and put your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving but believing. Thomas answered said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Verse 30, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Phenomenal end to the book, for sure, and the most powerful manifestation in one sense of Jesus to his disciples, showing himself in the resurrected body and willingly letting wanting or uh, open to letting them put their hand in his side. This is the testimony of John, the testimony of the disciples, that they were 
not witnessing a phantom. This was the the idea of the Gnostics, that uh, Jesus was nothing more than a phantom spirit, that he came upon the body, he came upon the man of Jesus, and then he left him on the cross. And if he did appear again, he would appear as a phantom, a spirit type being. And he said, no, I'm not spirit, I'm flesh and bone. And notice, he doesn't say I'm flesh and blood. In his resurrected state, he had no blood. That's why you could put your hand in his side. There was no blood to be drained out. It was drained out at the cross. Why? Because his blood was shed for us. It was the propitiation for us. So how does he then live? Well, now he's living on, as Joe Fosch and other people have commented, spirit drive. In the resurrected bodies, in our resurrected bodies, we may not have blood because we have the Holy Spirit. So when we take the the wine, the drink at communion, it is the symbol that we're taking in his blood for the propitiation of our sins, the new covenant. But we're also identifying ourselves with the fact that he overcame death and that he resurrected. And so here we see him sealing the apostles by breathing upon them. He gives them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now becomes the life-giving force. Just remember, in the Old Testament, as God says, blood is holy. It is in the blood is life, and therefore you must treat it holy. Pour it out, you know, at the altar. This was something because it's what gives life. But what gives life in eternity and in God's kingdom is the Holy Spirit. And without him, there is no life after this death not the life anyway that you have. And there's, that opens up a whole new theological conversation about the unsaved when they stand before the Bema seat, um, the judgment, white throne judgment seat, I should say, at the end of the millennium, because they will go alive into Sheol or into the pit and hell. What gives them that life? I, that is a whole other argument. Our conversation, and we'll have that at a different time. Uh, there's so much again on those Psalms. We, I'm Proverbs we could go into, but I better just keep moving forward for time's sake. Charles Spurgeon now, Deuteronomy 33:28. Israel then will dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon the land of corn and wine. Also, his heavens shall drop down dew. The more we dwell alone, the more safe shall we be. God would have his people separate from sinners. His call to them is, come ye out from among them. A Christian world is such a monstrosity as the scripture never contemplate. I think that would be an S at the end, but let's keep going. A worldly Christian is spiritually diseased. Those who compromise with Christ's enemies may be reckoned with them. Our safety lies not with making terms with the enemy, but in dwelling alone with our best friend. If we do this, we shall dwell in safety. Despite the sarcasms, the slander, and the sneers of the world, we shall be safe from the beautiful influence of its unbelief, its pride, its vanity, its filthiness. God also will make us dwell in safety alone in the day when sin shall be visited on the nation by wars and famines. The Lord brought Abram from Ur of the Chaldees, but he stopped halfway and had no blessing till having set out to go to the land of Canaan. To the land of Canaan, he came, and he was safe alone, even in the midst of foes. Lot was not safe in Sodom. 
although in a circle of friends, our safety is in dwelling apart with God. And that's good counsel, and that's good truth for us to know. Come out of her, says the Lord. We can see in the book of Revelation, come out from among her. Come from out from among the people in the world. We cannot really try and live the double life. Down in Puerto Vallarta, we see this all the time. Christians come down here to make a ton of money or through all this timeshare stuff, hotel industry, and, and or they're down here trying to live out their retirement and have fun and relax and, you know, finally get to do everything I always wanted to do. But too often they are compromising uh, greatly their walks, compromise it for the money. They compromise it for the leisure of hanging out on the beach because it's all about the the partying. It's all about the the beer and, and the margaritas. And so when you're in these circles and these apartment complexes, and you make a lot of great friends, but 98% of them are not a part of the family of God, and they want you to compromise to be their friend. If you want to be my friend, got to compromise. Come and have a drink with us. You know, we're going to go sailing Sunday morning. All of our big activities here for citywide stuff, the races, the sailing, all the fun stuff. Guess what it is? Sunday morning. It, our, the traffic is blocked. Trying to get to church Sunday morning sometimes with the big races uh, going on on the main street, it's a tough to get to church. And, and Wednesday night, family bike ride. Wednesday night where the church is. And so they're always trying to get you to compromise. Don't compromise. Keep your eyes set upon the Lord. That's what Charles Spurgeon says. In that, your friend, he will lift you up and you will find much more joy. Let the people say what they will. Let them belittle you. But you're safe in the hands of God when you it's you and him. No matter what else is around you trying to get you to compromise. Do not compromise your walk. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this beautiful morning again that we have and for the time we got to spend in the Word on Sunday and being able to look into the things that are coming onto this world. God, continue to keep us sharp. We, we desire to walk in integrity to walk circumspectly, to know the times we're living in. And God, we want to walk by the wisdom that we find in the Proverbs. We also want to work, um, live by the wisdom of knowing your word in the New Testament and knowing, God, that you are calling us to live separate from the world. We're not out of it. We've got to live in it, but we don't have to participate in it. We can be a witness to it. We can show people the way out. And show them how much joy and how much light there is when you do that. And because the, all of the partying and all of the other things, even the immoral relationships, are all a desperate attempt of people that are in darkness to feel better. And they're looking in the wrong places. So God help us. And we do pray for those with have fallen into addictions, that have all of the different addictions, whether they're pornography or drinking or drugs, God, we pray for deliverance, that they would take a step out of it and just come out, come out from those things and make a decision to surrender to you, to you fully, knowing that to participate in such things is to be 
a friend of the world and that there is judgment that will come upon them for these things. So God, we don't wish that upon anyone, but we want our brothers and sisters that are getting caught up in this to come out. So please, God, help them. Thank you for the times in my past when before I was saved and right when I got saved, how you made it so clear to me to walk away from the drugs, just to, just to walk away. And you gave me the strength and the power to do it. I pray you do the same thing for everyone that is has these struggles. So thank you for that. We do pray for your continued hand to, to grow us as a church. God, we pray you bring more spiritually strong believers that want to serve, especially men that want to serve you and be um, used by you to reach this community, even, even the tourist community. Bring them in, God. Establish them. Thank you for the team that will be coming next month. Thank you for uh, preparing the way for everything that's going to be happening, getting us ready, uh, the different outreaches, and um, and just a, a number of things that will be going on. So we thank you for that, for the um, VBS coming up. Thank you for uh, VBS that, that uh, Abby just had her church. God, we pray that new kids got saved there. And you continue to use Esty as she's in Italy with her church and all their VBS plans and everything they're doing, God. Bless them. Help us continue to be a support to them prayerfully and uh, even financially. Thank you for what you're doing, through, even through Micah and his church. And a uh, wonderful, strong church has a passion for serving you, God. Um, and we just bless are blessed to be a part of, of everything that they're doing, God, have that family connection. So thank you for this day. I do pray that you would just encourage our hearts as this, we go into this new week. That we, that we walk, God, according to your, your precepts, that we come boldly into your throne room praying, God, and thanking you for the strength that you are giving us and continuing to walk in that strength and not compromising with the world. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just made it. Got to get got to say goodbye because we got the Spanish coming up. So thank you, guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. Make sure you do subscribe to the audio podcast. That really helps. Check in on that. Listen to them. And let your friends know about what we're doing so we can bring them into the family of God as well. Those who have not yet known how powerful and beautiful God's word is. So we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.